Have you ever wondered why some business people are more successful than others? Welcome to The Mentor List, a source of sound advice with your host, David Lewis. The Mentor List specializes in interviews with top business minds. Listen to their stories, list their habits, and most importantly, gather their advice for your career. This is The Mentor List. Hi, welcome to the show. Today we're having a chat with Joe Miklius. Joe has more than 25 years experience in banking and business. She was most recently the head of global subsidiaries at ANZ and was responsible for the bank's largest multinational clients doing business here in Australia. In addition to her executive role, she has been also a director on the board of ANZ Bank Vietnam. Joe was the ANZ Bank Chief of Staff to CEO Mike Smith, overseeing Mike's involvement in external activities such as the B20, FSI, IIF, and Male Champions of Change. Internally, she drove the CEO's strategic priorities, development of the bank's social media strategy, and also oversaw the development of ANZ's market-leading flexibility, diversity, and inclusion policies. She travelled to Silicon Valley on two occasions with the board and management board to keep abreast of innovation and inform the bank's response to digital disruption. She's on the Melbourne 4.0 task force helping Greater Melbourne prepare, act and embrace the accelerating speed of innovation and disruption. Jo has a Bachelor of Science, Social Science, sorry, from the University of New South Wales and is a graduate of the Australian Institute of Company Directors. So we're quite lucky to have caught Jo in what she describes as a transitional time in her career after recently leaving a job and company that she has grown to love over time. So exciting times ahead for Jo and I hope you enjoy today's conversation with Jo Miklius. Jo Miklius, welcome to The Mentalist. Thanks for the invitation, David. No worries. Thanks for coming in today and yeah, for your time and I know you're I'm just really eager to hear your story and listen in on all your banking experience and other experiences and recent experience and looking for high profile roles. So I guess the first question is do you wanna or not the first question, but the our standard question is, yeah, do you wanna tell the listeners a little bit about yourself? Okay. Well, my career so far spans 26 years and I've enjoyed broad experience and seniority. While I've been in the financial services game, I guess all of this time, and in fact, I've only worked for ANZ all of this time, I actually don't really see myself as a hardcore banker. I'm not saying that I don't understand banking. I do. And in fact, I understand the breadth and depth of banking better than most. However, there are probably three reasons, David, where I don't identify as just being a banker because I suppose firstly, the breadth of businesses that I've run. Secondly, the unique skills I've acquired due to some a couple of exceptional roles that I've had. And the third is the innovation exposure that I've had, particularly in the last seven years or so. So Perhaps I should explain in a little bit more detail. Yeah, yeah, sure. Sort of all things that sort of, I guess, you've picked up or exposure you've had that's not really industry specific. Correct. Yeah. And quite portable, I guess. Yeah. 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 So, yeah, tell us, let's go into it. All right. Well, so my core capability is an all round business leader. The bulk of my experience has been in building teams, reshaping teams 
or getting teams to perform at the highest possible level that they can. And by doing that, having a positive impact on profitability. The teams that I've led have been up to about 350 people or contributing profit of about 300 million. Wow. So they're like, yeah, businesses in their own right. (laughs) They are businesses in their own right. But I guess what makes me unusual to other leaders in the banking industry is that these leadership roles have been in very different forms of banking. So from your mum and dad retail banking to banking of wealthy individuals to banking small and medium-sized businesses. And then also I've my last role was banking to the big corporations at the top end of town, which is called institutional banking. And I've also, in addition to those kind of customer-facing roles, I've also led teams in other parts of the bank, such as running a contact centre or running a central marketing team. So I'm more of a generalist business leader than a specialist business leader. And in each of these big leadership roles, I've been able to build or reshape the teams by getting the staff to focus on the customer and make sure that staff engagement is high. And I've really introduced a purposeful discipline to set a high performance bar for the teams. And the other thing I think I do well is that I'm able to scan the external environment, like economic conditions or market trends or innovation, and make tweaks to the way the business is functioning in response. And that way I can optimise performance and profitability. So it's not just the, I don't know if you've heard this old saying, the 363, lend out, no, take savings at 3%, lend out at 6 and you're on the golf green by 3. No, it's all about thinking <laughs> about the customer and how to optimise the business, you know, using the best people and, and capability. So the second big reason I think of myself as an all-rounder rather than a banker is that there are a couple of roles that I've done which have been very distinctive or unique. The first one is that I was the Chief of Staff to ANZ's Global CEO, Mike Smith, and the second is that I served on the board of ANZ's wholly owned subsidiary in Vietnam. And it was really in these roles that I built a very strong skill set around navigating and influencing and collaborating in very complex stakeholder situations. So... Outside of the bank, in those roles, I built relationships with the most senior levels in business. So, you know, top tier CEOs, top tier company directors, ambassadors, high net worth individuals, relationships that I've been able to maintain to this day. Inside of the bank, I was involved and across everything. So from board meetings to strategy to talent and succession planning to mergers and acquisitions to preparing for annual results and investor discussions and I could go on and on. Then I think the interactions that I had with the board and also being on the Vietnam board, I learned the different mindset that you need to be a top executive versus the mindset you need to be a top company director. So that's quite distinctive. And these two roles also gave me a global perspective. In fact, I met with staff and customers and regulators, media, government. So ANZ's in 34 countries. I went to 28 countries in two and a half years. And many of those countries I 
visited multiple times. So yeah. it really does give you a an immersion into international business at the highest possible levels and truly unique, as I said. And I guess the final big reason why I'm more of an all-rounder is because of my exposure to disruptive innovation. So clearly to succeed as a leader, I had to lead my own teams through the cultural journey necessary to embrace change and innovation. And I did that successfully, or at least in a material way, I guess, over the last four roles that I've had. But I was also part of a couple of fact-finding trips to Silicon Valley with the board, learning firsthand what disruption was coming to Australia, how other fast-growing companies were operating, and how ANZ should formulate its own strategic response. And then since leaving the bank, I've been involved with the Committee for Melbourne's 4.0 Task Force and helping them to think through how the city of Greater Melbourne should prepare and embrace the accelerating speed of innovation and disruption. So thinking about that in a city context rather than, you know, running a business or a bank. So yeah, 26 years, been a long time, but and I've gathered really quite a kit bag of skills and I've really had to learn how to be agile and adaptive in different situations and obviously be a high performer because you don't get promoted, obviously, without being a high performer. But I guess my only problem with all of that is that my experience was all with just one organisation and I had been curious for quite some time about how I could apply my skills in other settings. Yeah, so last year was an interesting year and after some deep soul-searching, I made the bold move to step outside the comfort of the organisation that I loved and that loved me and, you know, back myself and my capabilities and experience into an arena that will be outside of banking. So, yeah, so that's kind of And here you are, now you're available for coming on the show. Correct. so, (laughs) So just before we sort of talk through, I guess, you know, the aftermath of the bank. I just wanted to go back and sure. so just, you know, what was Mike Smith like to work with? He's obviously got a very big public profile. Now, what was the guy like sort of, I mean, you're dealing with him on a day-to-day basis and I imagine it's some pretty tense times and fun times here and there. Yeah, absolutely. So he, to your last point, he's absolutely a fun guy, likes to have fun, But, you know, it's a serious business being the CEO of a top three ASX listed company. And so my role as chief of staff is a serious role as well. So, you know, the standards are, you know, relentlessly high and and unforgivingly high. But that's, I guess, that's the nature of the beast. He was, you know, an incredibly knowledgeable banker and probably the most connected, you know, relationship guy that I've ever met. So we would often go to a place like Hong Kong or China or somewhere else in the world and, you know, we'd be meeting with billionaires that most people don't get access to and they would be embracing Mike and, you know, I'd ask him afterwards, you know, how did you get to know this person or, you know, how did you build up a relationship and, you know, he would talk about, relationships built over 30 years of kind of intersecting with each other at various points of their respective careers. But he had the discipline 
to maintain those relationships and those networks. And I guess it really came through in that pinnacle role of being a CEO of a multinational bank. Yeah, wow. Okay. So things you've done 30, well, things you started 30 years ago was sort of, you know, paying off now in terms of networking. and. Well, I guess he backed the intuition of here's this government official that I had to meet and, you know, they were junior, I was a junior banker, they're a junior government official. You kind of get a bit of an instinct that there's something quality about that person and the two of them got promoted through the years, maintained yeah. contact and voila, CEO versus, you know, head of state, yeah. for example. Wow. So <laughs> seems so easy, doesn't it? Right. <laughs> But it requires a lot of discipline, so... Yeah, definitely. Did he share any of those disciplines with you or is it, like, is it just completely random that they remember or are they, you know, is he structured or...? No, he's definitely got some structure about it, but then also opportunistic if you're in country and, you know, you tend to look up the people who, you know, are there and, and are in your contacts and or, or whatever. Yep. Wow. Okay. So 28 different countries you said you visited. I've so been to 28 countries. What, this is over? Two and a half years. Okay. So yeah. Is that sort of with Mike or yeah. So you're basically on a world tour. <laughs> well, it's kind of juggling everything. Cause as I said at the outset, you kind of across everything while juggling being on the road or, you know, you've got board meetings happening and, and that kind of thing. So it's a very multi-dimensional role. And you very quickly work out where to go deep and where you can kind of, because you can't go deep on everything. So you you built up a good instinct about what to make sure is right Right. and where where you can kind of rely on experts. And And I imagine being that mobile, I mean, because I I really like coming in, having a routine, but if you're traveling that much, that sort of gets a bit disrupted. So how did you find being on the road so much and how did that affect your routine and I guess being able to perform the role? Well, it was just part of the role. So I guess from a personal perspective, you know, I've got a family, a husband and three children. So it was absolutely a family decision to for me to take this role because frankly, when I was on the road, everybody back home had to step up, you know, they had to fill the gap of maybe the jobs that I was doing or, you know, dropping people off or or whatever so it's absolutely a family decision so that's number one and secondly you just adjust to the routine not being a routine so there are some things that relatively predictable like you know board meeting on a Monday morning if we're in country you know the planning cycle you have a bit of a cycle in the ceo role you have a bit of a cycle to your year around the annual results because you've got to report to investors and you know there's media around that and so forth so there is a bit of a cycle to the year but then other than that you know you've probably got to view a year to a year and a half in advance at a high level where you're going to be what you're going to be doing And you need to do that to be strategic about it because otherwise you kind of get pulled in lots of different directions. So the art of this role is really to keep the CEO strategic and not get him sucked into the The, details. Yeah, the the urgent stuff, whatever that that is. So you mentioned family before and I like, so we're chatting before we started recording, I guess to balance that out with, you know, getting the family to step up and you were mentioning a story when you were in the branches and you actually had your baby with you. So this is sort of obviously, 
I guess, the opposite to what you've gone through there. Yeah, do you want to talk through through that move and how that sort of integrated family and the decision? Yeah, so my life, if you like, with ANZ has not been continuous and I, I did have a break when I was having children and but I asked, I was asked to come back when I was seven months pregnant with my third child and I guess after we got over the fact that I was seven months pregnant and about to have a baby, my boss at the time was really forward-thinking in his approach and what we agreed was that I would come to work with my son two days a week and I would work from home two days a week. And so Tom came to work with me for the first five months of his life and thankfully he was a good sleeper so I was able to be quite productive. (laughs) But, you know, that was... Well, he's 14 and a half now, so that was almost 15 years ago and it was flexibility in its very earliest form. And so I was a bit of a role model for flexibility in the bank. Because ANZ is really known, well, known now for, you know, their flexibility and supporting, well, in particular women and women of industry and women in banking. and Absolutely, yep. And men who want to be flexible as well. Yes, yeah, of course. Don't forget about the guys. No. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Okay. Oh, so oh, there was one other thing which I had to ask you about. It's not really related to anything we used to talk about, but it's an amphibious vehicle. <laughs> you told me the story of that. Can we share that? Because it's just something I just remembered from our chat. <laughs> what would you like to know about the amphibious vehicle? Well, could you tell me about how you went on it and like, well, yeah, it's sure. not related to anything. It's just really interesting that. Well, so there's this New Zealand company who have created an amphibious boat, yes. and Mike happens to own one of these boats, and it's amazing. And I've been on one on his boat. So basically, you drive it out of the garage, <laughs> drive it down to the water, and then you drive it in the water, and then you kind of zoom off. It's unbelievable. But this is created by a New Zealand company, yeah. and that you know they're exporting in, into Australia, and you know it's just one of those. I mean, there's such interesting businesses in yeah. Australia and New Zealand, and it's just yeah, it's oh, I think it's amazing. One of the perks, I guess. Of- yeah, the CEO role where you can have, you know, you can take your amphibious vehicle out on the weekend if you're in town, I guess. I just thought <laughs> that we'd share that. I just couldn't let you get away without sharing. Yes, thank you, David. No, sorry. <laughs> so let's get back to your story. Okay, so so 26 years in the bank, but you're not a banker. So let's talk about, you know, I mean, that's huge decision and maybe talk through I know you met, you sort of touched on it briefly, but, you know, where you are now, I mean, I can only imagine it would have been quite a nerving, nervous decision to make going into this, you know, unknown territory. Yeah, so well, it's a lot to think through, I suppose, because, you know, it's not just me, you know, I'm an integral part of our family. So it's not a decision that I took lightly. So it was the end of last year that that I finished with ANZ and, I think the technical term of, of what I'm doing now is I'm in transition. <laughs> but look, David, you know, I, I'm not sure what I imagined this period to be like, but I'm actually having the most empowering conversations with people that I admire and respect. So I'm reaching out to my network that I've built, you know, over this time. 
and I'm generating job opportunities for myself and I'm looking for CEO roles and, and also to complement with a company directorship if I can. And yes, it's been an unexpected and wonderful experience, I think. I'd have to qualify that to say on most days because <laughs> not every, every day is, you know, sunshine and, and rainbows. But uh, It's almost like a confidence thing too. You could get, you're kind of vulnerable a bit as well. You definitely have to have confidence to back yourself, particularly if it's a decision that you've made rather than have the decision made for you. But, you know, I don't think... While I've had a really great career at, at, at ANZ, I suppose, in some ways you kind of get a little bit shepherded into roles because it's dependent on roles being available, you've got a good sponsor as a line manager, you know, there's a lot of variables and you end up sometimes in roles that perhaps were not part of your career plan. I never had a career plan, but, you know, you might not have imagined yourself to be in. So now I'm kind of doing some blue sky thinking about what it is that I want to achieve, you know, in the next 26 years. Yeah. Yeah, great. And I guess are you finding that it moves quite slow now that you're out of, I guess? Yeah. Yeah. So I do like a bit of pace. And so so that's probably one of the development areas that I've had to overcome in this period is that you're not in control of, of the timetable. So, you know, you need to learn patience you know, you need to appreciate the other other side. You know, there's busy chair people or recruiters and so forth that, you know, are juggling lots of different activities. So I think to appreciate that. And that's in some ways why I got involved with the Committee for Melbourne 4.0 Task Force, you know. Yeah. There's a bit of a sideline activity for me to break away from networking and kind of job hunting activities. You mentioned before as well about how you know, your leads are not necessarily coming from where you thought your leads might be. Or Totally, yeah. You could be having a conversation with somebody. The meeting could have been set up for one purpose, but then you have the opportunity to talk to them about what it is that you want to do. And then all of a sudden, you know, a light goes on, they connect you with another person or you know, or give you some ideas or some leads and, and yeah. you kind of, I'm actually finding it really fascinating, you know, the, the paths that I, I've been sent down just through talking to people. Yeah, wow. It's, yeah, like the power of focus. It's just, you're seeing it everywhere. And... Yeah. And it does help when, you, when you're quite clear on what it is that you want to do. I think when, when I started having conversations with people, I wasn't really quite sure what it was that I wanted to do. And that makes it difficult for people to help you. Yeah. So if you're quite clear in what it is that you want, people will absolutely help you. And how have you found this clarity? Was this before you've left the bank or is this sort of this process you've gone through? It's been a bit of a process, I must say. I was sitting on the fence a little bit to start with. I wasn't sure whether I was going to get out of financial services or stay in. I wasn't sure if I was mobile or not. So, you know, through the last few months, I've really been able to think through you know, whether I'm mobile. Well, yeah. I'm not mobile at the moment. So, <laughs> and yeah, yeah. And look, I had a couple of opportunities with other banks and I got progressed through yeah. the interview process. And I actually sat back and thought to myself, actually, this is just more of the same of what I've yeah. already done before. And so 
sometimes it takes a process and you get down the road for you to realize that it's not actually what you want to do. So So there's probably not the kind of growth personally you'd get. Personal growth, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, great roles, you know, number of of people or, you know, size of balance sheet, those kind of things. But, yeah, I'm looking for for personal growth and and satisfaction. Would be hard. Like, I mean, I'm just speaking, I'm just thinking like chief of staff role because you're so involved in everything at that level I mean it'd be hard to step back into a VAU type director role in a bank and not feel like you're missing out on some of the fun or like what a (laughs) it must have been a really exciting role and one one that'd be hard to sort of very hard to replicate I think going in I, I always knew that it was you know a two to three year gig so number one, you always know that you're going to get a window into something that you're going to have to move away from. But it's still brutal <laughs> when you go back into, you know, more of a BAU type role. Yeah. Yeah. It's an adjustment. So so just some of the, the habits that you found sort of, you know, in your time at ANZ or, or personally that have contributed to you know, landing, well, this this career of success and these roles that have ended up being massive? Hmm. I guess some of the things that I've done is, you know, you always come across roadblocks along the way where, you know, somebody more senior than you thinks you're not ready for a promotion or, you know, maybe you won't be suited to this area of, of the organisation. And I think that, you know, if you if you really are confident about your capability and, and your experience and you, you've got other people as well telling you, sponsors and yeah. supporters telling you that, just like a water course, there are other ways around the roadblock. Yeah. So, you know, I mentioned that I had done a marketing role and I got that role because I got knocked back from a not from a promotion, but being considered to even apply for a promotion. I was told that I'd have to do my time. This yeah. is in the early 90s. And, you know, I I guess I felt I'd already done my time and I'd built up some great capability, great customer experience, great credit experience. And I thought to myself, well, maybe I should look around and see what else is on offer. And the marketing role was there. And that was my first people leadership role at the age of 23 and I really got a taste for what it would be like and that's where my passion started for people leadership actually. Yeah. So I'm really grateful that I got that roadblock, was able to find another way around. I think, you know, having a good boss is always a good strategy. Yep. So, <laughs> and what if um, you don't? Did you have any inst- – oh, it sounds like you had one which was obviously telling you to stay in the role but was there others – Sure, you, you you kind of come across bosses from time to time that you are not that great. <laughs> no, <laughs> but you know where I've been put into unusual situations or or been particularly backed, it's been because I've had the backing of of a boss. So they they become your sponsor, they coach you, they guide you. You know, they tend to be the ones that you stay in contact with after you're not working for them anymore. They also tend to be the ones that really feel like they have done the right thing by having their employees get promoted. So they don't yeah. think of it in a hierarchy sense. They think of it as a developing people sense. 
One of my other strategies, I think, and it's really coming to the fore right now is the power of your networks. And I think everybody at some point in their career gets so immersed in the job at hand that sometimes you neglect your network. External or internal? Both. But particularly external. So, you know, making sure you build networks, number one, but you nurture them, number two, and then don't be afraid to lean into them, number three, when you need to. Because even if you haven't seen someone for a year or, or two years, yeah, everybody is busy and that's kind of well recognised. But, you know, people like to help. So how do you sort of, when you say nurture them, what is that a text message here and there? or Yeah, it could be a text message or an email out to lunch or even in a group situation, make sure if you know that you're going to an event that, you know, that they're going to seek people out and have a good conversation with them. Great, yeah. All right, thanks for sharing. So I was kind of segueing into advice, especially when you said, yeah, around the roadblocks, but do you have any advice that you would have liked to receive or you'd, you'd give yourself as you're coming through? There's something I learned actually in that period where I took a break and was having children that I've really applied as a leader. You know, I'm I'm a hardworking person, very resourceful, reasonably resilient, and also quite independent. And I think those strengths, I overplayed those strengths when I was having children. So the way that played out is, you know, I was juggling three babies, basically, (laughs) working part-time, had a husband who had a long commute, And, you know, I rarely asked for help. And when I was offered help, I never took it. So I can't even believe now that I'm saying these things that that I I was in that place, you know. I must have been mad. But nobody's got a cape on their shoulders. There's no superheroes out here. And I think to be a great parent and to be a great leader, you need to seek support and you need to allow yourself to be supported so I'm really grateful in a way that that I learned that at that time because I've been able to apply that as I've gotten bigger and bigger leadership roles yeah yeah you definitely can't do everything yourself I mean I don't know what I was thinking (laughs) (laughs) so how did you so so I guess is it just through I guess wearing down over time that you're trying to do everything and like how did you come to that realization yeah I think I did wear myself down and I was tired I was grumpy I didn't like you know how I was I didn't like how I was presenting so and just sort of yeah a few of the other standard mental questions around was there a quote that you think I'll just share with the listeners yeah so I've got one that's on my computer (laughs) I've put a little post-it note on my computer at home and I'll put it on there not long after I left ANZ and it's a quote from the author Malcolm Gladwell and the quote is, nothing of consequence gets accomplished without courage and I like it because of the many things that I've done and I've had to have courage to, you know, bring my son with me to work, to relocate the whole family to regional Australia, to embrace some of the unknown and take jobs where I might only be 50% qualified for So I think that's quite reflective of the things that I've done in the past. But I think more importantly, and the reason why it's probably on my computer, is that it is inspiring me as to what 
the future is going to look like. So I don't really have a desire to be average. So this quote really reinforces to me that if I'm going to achieve something of consequence, I actually need to have the courage to back myself to be different. Yeah, great. And, yeah, what a handy thing to, I guess, you know, read every day or whenever you're at Yeah, and if I'm having a bad day (laughs) (laughs) or a knockback or whatever, I can go back and think about the big picture and what it is, what's the end goal I'm going for here. Because it is, I mean, it's a tough part of the market just from a numbers perspective. If you're looking at, let's say, ASX-listed CEO roles, there's only so many ASX-listed companies and then there's only so many that are of a certain size and significance. So, I mean, from a numbers perspective, it's, you know, it's the top end of town, so it's they're, they're not. It's a numbers uh, game and it's almost like a dating dating game as well, right? So there are, there are roles that I've knocked back and the reasons I've knocked them back is maybe the culture wasn't right or it could be a number of different reasons. So this is about me wanting to be in the organisation, but it's also about the organisation choosing me. So sometimes it's only a one-way relationship, just like dating, <laughs> and and it never lasts. And yeah. and you certainly don't want to get into bed with the first <laughs> date that you're having. It might end badly. So, <laughs> yeah. And, you know, I need to think about my own personal brand in, in all of this and so I'm, I'm yeah. wanting to choose quite wisely. And so that means I need to be patient and yes. wait for the right opportunity. Yeah, that's very, very true. Wow. Because you mentioned that before around starting to build that patience and, yeah, when you're out of the machine, you realise just how slowly things really work sometimes. When you're in the big corporates, it's, you know, you don't notice. But Okay, yeah, so thanks for sharing that. So is there and a book? Is there a book that you recommend people pick up and have a read or other materials? Or Hmm. Well, I'm not actually a big novel reader. I'm actually much better consuming new information on social media or podcasts. Like I listen to the mentor list every week, David. Oh, good. Good to hear. (laughs) Anyway, I'm not quite sure how I got onto the mentor list, but anyway. Yeah, don't worry about that. (laughs) (laughs) Having said that, so when I left the bank, one of a former EA of mine took me out for a coffee and gave me a book as a gift and I've really loved reading it and the book is called Daring and Disruptive by Lisa Messenger and it's the story of an inspirational entrepreneur and her roller coaster ride of creating a sustainable business so you know as you read through the book you can feel her her inner desire to succeed and really create something that should be impossible she's making the impossible possible and I like it because she tells her story from the heart. She's an Australian, so I love to celebrate Australian leadership. And quite frankly, I think she's a role model for what can be achieved if you stay on purpose and back yourself. Right. Well, it's a good one to read in your situation as yeah, well. Very, um, my EA knew me very well, clearly. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Definitely. I hope you're keeping that network nice and warm. Absolutely. (laughs) Good to hear. So I guess that's probably a nice segue into, you know, how people might go about contacting you. So there's a chairman of the board that listen in, so they're our prime, they're our target audience here on the mentor list. Oh, great. (laughs) Well, that was um, a good tick decision to go on this podcast. (laughs) So, yeah, I guess so people are listening in, they love what you're saying, they want to get in contact with you, you know, how would they go about doing that? 
I think the easiest way is via LinkedIn and I'm there under Joe Miklius. I'm also on Twitter, an active tweeter on most days. (laughs) So that'd that'd probably be the best two ways and I do accept all the invitations that come my way. So. Sounds good. All right. Well, yeah, thank you again for coming in. I know I've got you at a good time because as soon as you get that new role, it'll be like, Dave, who? Oh, sorry, i got no time. I don't think so. <laughs> You're an important part of my network, Dave. <laughs> warm. Yes, that's right. <laughs> but, yeah, thanks again for coming in today and yeah, appreciate your time. And for everyone listening in, we'll see you again for another great show next week. Thank you for listening to The Mentor List with your host, David Lewis. If you like what you're hearing on The Mentor List, the best way to support the show is to take just a few seconds to leave a rating and comment over on iTunes. You can also find further information about this show and links to further episodes at www.mentorlist.com.au. Until next time, this is The Mentor List.